Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mishlove, and today I'm going to talk about the Law of Revelation. This is the fourth cosmic law enunciated by Dean and Wendy Brown in their book on cosmic law. And for those of you who have been following this series of discussions on the cosmic laws of Dean and Wendy Brown, it's probably useful to say at the outset that these are not like the laws of physics. They're really more like principles. And uh, you may recall the second of these was the law of progressive contraries. So, uh, because the previous law that I discussed was the law of concealment, doesn't it make sense to you now that there ought to be an opposite of concealment, a contrary of concealment? And that's what we're looking at, the law of revelation. That which has been concealed will be revealed. And it's interesting to consider just how this revelation takes place. How many great discoveries came out of dreams? And certainly, if you've been following this series, you'll know that a number of life-changing discoveries for me came out of my dreams, or what my friend Stephen Schwartz would call non-local mind, the mind that is not localized inside of your skull, but we have access to it. Uh, think of the great mathematical discoveries of Ramanujan that, according to him, came because he worshipped the goddess. Think of uh, Thomas Edison. Now, Thomas Edison is interesting. He's a very interesting case. He was, incidentally, a student of theosophy and the teachings of Madame Blavatsky. But when he invented the light bulb, it's well known that he experimented tediously with something like three thousand different kinds of filaments before he came upon the tungsten filament, which is used primarily in incandescent light bulbs today. <laughs> Although I know we're in an era in which the light bulb itself, the incandescent light bulb, is uh, going out of fashion in favor of light-emitting diodes. But the point is, that was a question of sweat labor, testing 3,000 filaments until you come up with the right one. And humans are quite capable of engaging in the process of discovery that way. But Thomas Edison also had a habit of taking naps when he was in his laboratory. He would take frequent lap naps, and sometimes he'd be holding a pencil in his hand while he was napping, and when the pencil dropped to the floor, he would wake up out of that sleep, and sometimes uh, right out of his dreams would be the idea for another invention, fully formed. Now, and that's how sometimes inventions occur. Nikola Tesla seemed to receive most of his great inventions fully formed in the sense that he worked with them in his mind. He would run scale models of the invention psychologically in his mind until he got them to work perfectly. And then when they were built, they worked well the very first time. Uh, when I was president of the Intuition Network, uh, which I was for a period of some 15 years, starting in 1993, I uh, was funded by a man named Buck Charlson. Well, his name was Lynn Charlson. Buck 
was his nickname, you could say. People loved to call him Buck. And I met him when he was 83 years old. He was the inventor of the hydraulic motor. And uh, once again, it's a case of an invention that formed itself in his subconscious mind. And when he built the first one, it worked so well that it remained in production for decades and decades, probably still in production without any major modifications whatsoever. That's different than the inventions of Arthur Young, my mentor who invented the Bell helicopter. He worked very hard. He spent, I don't know, over a decade working on a design that never materialized with rotors at the end of the big helicopter rotors. And it was a faulty design. But eventually, because he persisted, he came up with the uh, Bell Model 47, the very first commercially licensed helicopter ever. So we see there are different paths to revelation. Now, I've talked in the uh, previous segment on the law of concealment about how parapsychological data is in plain sight, and yet it has been concealed for 150 years in the sense that, I mean, look at me, I'm the only person in the world ever to achieve a doctoral degree in parapsychology, and that was in 1980, nearly 40 years ago. That's how marginalized, that's how obscure this field is. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to make a prediction for you, although none of us will probably be alive at the time to see its realization. But the day will come when parapsychology, very much the way I'm conceiving it and describing it to you here in these videos, is not going to be a science on the very fringes, on the very margins of society. No, civilization will be organized around the data of parapsychology. That's my vision, that's my promise, and the law of revelation suggests that that is inevitable. The pendulum is going to swing back in this direction, and we are going to see a science, a global science, in which parapsychology is the core, the foundational science of all. It may not be called parapsychology, but what we're talking about is this mind-matter interface, independent of the human nervous system that will become central. It may take a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand years. I can't tell you exactly when. I expect it will take a very long time considering how incredibly marginalized this science is today. But it might be a shorter time. It might be a hundred years. It might be fifty years. It's hard to say because things change so rapidly. But it will happen. And that would be a, an example of the law of revelation manifesting itself. And of course, you can read science fiction stories today about other worlds in which it's already happened. So, in that sense, it's inevitable. It will happen here. And at the same time, we'll have a much deeper knowledge of the human psyche. We won't be hiding from ourselves so much. 
and we'll be able to address many of the terrible conundrums that uh, exist now preventing parapsychology from achieving its full potential. And uh, one that I enunciated uh, not long ago in the In Presence series is how Given that we all have probably a modicum of psychokinetic ability, are we using that ability to suppress other people's ESP because we don't want them to read our mind and to know our secrets? So it will be a very different world with regard to privacy and secrecy and the idea that we can hide things from other people and hide them from ourselves. But that day is coming eventually. And I imagine there are some people out there who are hoping it will be a very, very long time from now. What other secrets might be revealed? Well, let me ask you now, how does this relate to you? Revelation. What would you like to have revealed to yourself? What knowledge has been eluding you, has been concealed from you that you would like to have revealed? And are you willing to allow your consciousness, your non-local consciousness, to allow that information to ease into your conscious awareness? Are you willing to be the subject of a revelation, perhaps even today, a revelation? I'll leave you with that thought, and thank you for being with me.